0: you, it's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. My family and I are out of town today, but I didn't want to miss the opportunity and the privilege of introducing to you not only a close personal friend to our family, but also to our entire staff team. I'm excited for you to meet our friend, Lisa Robinson. What's really amazing, and you don't know this, but Lisa and her husband Jay have been a part of the story of City Church from the beginning. They believed in us, they prayed for us, they financially invested through their church into what God was doing here as we launched, and we're so excited to have her here today. What's really cool is we've known Lisa for, uh, um, I think, right at a decade, and we've seen God do just amazing things. I mean, we, we walked through the highs with their family, we walked through the really low lows. I mean, we have grieved with them, we've celebrated with them, we've prayed and seen miracles happen and we've we've grieved loss with them and honestly there's not a lot of people on the planet that I know that carry the authority and the faith like Lisa Robinson does and so I'm really excited for you to hear her story today I believe that you're gonna experience the presence and power of God as she shares I think he has something for each of us individually no matter where you are on your spiritual journey but also I think he has something collective for us as a church so lean in buckle up and put your hands together for our friend Lisa Robinson
1: I'm so glad to be with you today. I'm just honored. I just want you to know that I have been praying for you, um, praying for this church, praying for the team, and then also just praying for you individually as I learn your names and as I've heard about you and how God has brought you here. Um, So I'm going to go ahead. We're going to go jump in Galatians, uh, Galatians 6, 7 through 10. And it says, and you can follow on the screen as well. It says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You always harvest what you plant. So you're going to reap what you sow. It says, those who only, to live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At the, just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing. If we don't give up, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. So what God is saying here is you're going to reap what you sow. Whatever it is that you put your time into, money, efforts, um, that is going to be what you reap. And if we choose to go with like our feelings, I mean, I don't know about you, but I kind of change what flavor of ice cream I like all the time and the things that I thought that I wanted, I'm like, oh, I think the Lord that did not happen, right? (laughs) And so if we follow our feelings, it might be led to like a fickleness and a roller coaster. Um, but he says that the one who sows to the Spirit, so those who pursue the things of God, are the ones that we're going to reap from that. We're going to reap from the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit, says in Galatians, is uh, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. And so Paul is talking to the church of Galatians, and he's saying here, don't grow tired of doing what is good. He says, in just the right time, if you keep choosing to do so, despite how you feel sometimes— you're going to reap an everlasting blessing, so this goes into my story, and the reason why I desire to, to share my story is I, I just want to talk to you about what can happen in life, and that if you choose to trust him in the midst of that, what God can do with that. Um, some of you have heard my story, which I just want to say thank you for those who prayed for my little girl Riley and you'll learn, you'll learn a little bit more about that but um, but thank you for that so. But it comes down to to a choice in our life um, of us choosing what we're going to do with our story and how we're going to respond to it. So a little bit about my story. I grew up in a missionary home. I grew up learning about God's word, and my dad was the pastor. And so you would think uh, that that would have been really good. Uh, Problem is, is that I was sexually abused by my dad. And there were things that happened in my life where I was just really neglected because they were spending all their time doing other things that they thought were good, um, but, you know, didn't know what I was eating, and I was just growing up, like, eating junk, and would go on the bus. I grew up in Mexico, and I would get on the bus when I was, like, 11, and go an hour away and come back, and so there's just realization that things could have happened to you, you know, that you could have been kidnapped, and nobody probably would have known for a while. So when I was 16, they had sent me to live with my aunt, um, and at that time, I just understood that other families, um, you know, that there was a difference, and I started to grow really angry. I was angry at God for the, parent, for the choices that my parents had made, and, um, and I let that affect my relationship with God, and I blamed him for it. I'm like, they're, they're serving you, they're choosing you, so clearly I don't want anything to do with it. Um, in college, Uh, My dad would call me, and he would just say things that you should never say to anyone, but much less your daughter, um, trying to manipulate me and get a reaction. And so at that point, I decided, you know what, I'm just—I'm done with life. And I had decided I'm just going to take my life. This is it. I I can't deal with it anymore. And that night, um, instead of realizing that God had put people intentionally in my life to find healing— I decided, I'm going to choose to find refuge in this guy, because he seems like he's helping me. Um, and he didn't. He took advantage of that. And so after I lost that, then I felt like I became everything that my dad had called me. And, um, and it led to a life of just complete destruction. I um, was in environments where I got sexually assaulted several times. Um, I lived in a house that was dealing drugs. I walked through all the steps with a friend, as far as with, through abortion, which nobody tells you about the heartache and the pain and the suffering that you feel after. Um, I had gotten beat up uh, by a man, and I was just crushed. I was scarred, and I was empty. Um, and it was at that time that I cried out to God, and I said, man, this is not the God that I had heard about when I was a little kid. Um, this cannot be what you have for me. Um, and he was like, you're right, this isn't. This is, these are circumstances and choices of other people and your choices that have led you to this, um, but I'm here. And so he provided an opportunity for me to actually to move to Denver to be a part of a church, and that is where I surrendered my will and said, okay, I'm going to go with your will. Um, I met my husband at that time. He lived in Fort Worth, and so I moved um, to marry him and found out at that time that there were mistakes that he had made in his past that had bit him in the present when we got married. What do I mean by that? He is that at that point, he was going to go under probation for 10 years, and so he and I served during that time while he was under the probation, we loved people, and we had four children together, and one day, all of our girls had gotten sick They got a cold, and one of them, my seven-year-old at the time, just could not kick it. Um, It's Riley on the right side. (laughs) So she just couldn't kick it, and we went to the doctor, ended up in the hospital finding out that she was having heart failure. And so after a week after her first open-heart surgery, actually the next day of her first open-heart surgery... um, A judge decided that he thought my husband needed more punishment after the 10 years of probation, and so he removed or revoked probation and sent him to jail. So at this time, I'm left with four kids that I have to provide for on my own, and one is in the hospital fighting for her life, and the other three are wondering why did mom, dad, and sister disappear all of a sudden, not in the home. And at that time, Riley was dying. I mean she was um she was on the list waiting for a heart transplant and um and just fighting for her life. So I know what you're thinking right now. You're like, I think she missed sharing a really hard experience in her life. <laughs> I know, I know it's a lot, right? And you probably are feeling so much better right now. You're just like, man, okay, if somebody can endure that, I think I got it. Or you're probably going through a really hard time yourself and saying, Wow, I just feel like somebody understands hardship. Um, And so the most frequent question I get asked is, how do you do it? Like, how do you crawl out of bed? And so that's why I'm going to talk to you today (laughs) is how I do it. And it's not me. Um, It's because I choose um, things every day, and and I'm going to share those choices. But it's because of God and the strength that he has given me uh, through my choices. So... are those choices i'm going to share them quickly and then i'm going to go through each one of them uh, more individually but one is that i choose to believe god is who he says he is Uh, that is that is the primary thing two is i choose to look back and i i choose to be grateful for the miracles that god did and has done and then three i choose to surrender my will and i choose his will and then four is i choose to trust his perspective Um, His word, meaning the Bible, and what he says and his promises versus my perspective. And so these are choices that I make every day. And when I do that, man, I cannot tell you. There's a peace um, that passes all understanding. There's a joy that I have in the midst of the hardship that I have gone through that only comes from God. And there's just this knowing that there is this almighty God that no matter what other people do, no matter what their choices are, no matter how the ripple effect, no matter what mistakes I make, that there is a God that is for me and is going to walk me through any of that. And and only in a way that God could. I love that song that that we were singing during worship is only God can use circumstances that I've walked through to make it good for me. Like who... Nobody can do that, but God. Uh, but it's amazing how he can, and I'm excited to share. So one is I choose to believe who God says he is. So who does he say that he is? He says that I am the I am. He says I'm self-sustaining. I am i am the it, right? God is who was, who is, and will always be, um, so says Exodus 3. But in John 1, he says he created the world. He said, I created light. I created the heavens and the earth. In John 127, he says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So I believe that. I believe God created humans. I believe God created the world. Um, I believe that God created me and and you. Psalm 139, he says, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And so I believe that he made me, he made you. The other part is I believe that when, Jesus, when God says that Jesus is God and that he is the son of God who died and came to restore my relationship with him, I believe him. In John 14, 6, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father if not by me. So that's the first thing that I do is I believe God is who he says he is. The second choice that I wake up and I say I choose today is I choose today to look back and be grateful for the miracles God has done. This is the part I'm so excited (laughs) because many of us can share our testimony and share our story, right? So you heard facts about my life, but let me tell you my story from a little different perspective. Okay, so I grew up in an environment, you heard about it, but I was introduced to God. Because of that, I knew where to come back to. The abuse and and neglect were not nearly what it could have been, and the Lord rescued me and put me in a home that spent time with me and showed me that God loves me. In the midst of all my anger, God kept pursuing me, and the brokenness and, like, the things that happened to me and everything, there were people that God put in my life continuously to remind me of, like, who God was. That he's like, I love you. That's not me. This is who I am, and when you're ready, I'm here. And so then when, when I finally decided, okay, like I'm at the bottom of my barrel, right? I'm at the bottom. I'm just, I don't think it could get any worse. Um, will you please take me? And he's like, yeah, I've been, I've been waiting. And so he takes me in and he rescues me and puts me with a man who teaches me what it means, um, what God's love means. Like he, showed me that there was this unconditional love that God had for me. He taught me how to love people in a way that I wouldn't have expected it. He taught me forgiveness, Um, and this is my husband that I'm talking about, but he um, just taught me how to forgive even my parents and how that would be something that would release me of the bitterness and anger that I had. Through the consequences of probation that my husband had, it built a strong foundation in my marriage. We didn't have anybody we could not do anything. And so in that, God used it to just create a marriage that is just, um, I will tell you, that's like the best thing that has ever happened to me. Uh, It is a blessing. And just being able to be married to him and be able to walk that out um, with him. And so I'm I'm blessed uh, with that. And during Riley's hospital time, she would encounter every obstacle. Like, I don't think anything else could have gone wrong in our process, but let me tell you about all the miracles God did over and over again. So the first thing, even with the transferring um, of hospitals, we went from one hospital and my cousin just happened to say, man, I really think that you need more of like a heart specialist transfer dress, And then that night she was like dying. And just in time for the medical team to know exactly what to do, did a medical dance, saved her life that night. Uh, during that process, though, and, uh, which I thought was an angel, uh, a nurse comes, and he speaks Spanish, and, which is my first language, and he comes in, and he just says, I know you're a believer. I know that you know that she has Jesus in her heart, and so you know where she's going to be, so have peace, and I was just like... <laughs> I mean, you're, so I just I sat there and that night I I was convinced that Riley was going to pass away I mean she was not uh, responding and, um, and I said Lord I'm, I'm going to choose to trust you I know that even in this even if she dies here now you've sent somebody to me like an angel to remind me of where I'm going to spend eternity with her and so I surrender her to you um, but she made it <laughs> then Um, they, her left side of her heart gave out and they just happened to have a trial of an LVAD, which is a a pump on the left side to be able to give to her. Now, this is the fifth in the world, first, um, in this hospital and in the country. And they just happened to have it right that week in order to be able to implant into her heart so that that, and that LVAD, that left side of her pump, um, would keep her alive. It just keeps getting better. All right. So while she's doing that, she is having um, an ulcer and having a virus that is making her bleed out. She has like, after 13 transfusions, I stopped counting. Um, The gastroenterologist I can't even say the word, but he goes, gastro guy, that's what I called him. He goes in, he sees and he's like, no, this bacteria is is definitely there. Um, And there's, you know, there's all these things that we need to do and... And in that moment, I said, man, God, I have seen you work. And so I just ask you to do a miracle again. And then that day they would do testing and it's just miraculously all gone. Her bleeding stops immediately, just completely gone, which is amazing. At this point, she's still dying, right? She's still (laughs) dying. But this cold that she had a cold at that time that had kicked her off their transplant list, and what, the important part of that is what we, what we see as moments of, oh my word, how did this, kick, this off, kick her off the list would end up actually saving her life because the right side of her heart had completely given out, um, and so it forced the surgeons to go in there because she wasn't healthy enough to survive two surgeries, so if she had that and the heart came, she wouldn't have been ready. And so they were prolonging that while she was doing dialysis and just trying to keep her alive. Um, But that cold kicks her off the list, forced her hand, and now she has what I call a bionic heart. Her heart is doing nothing, but she has a left pump and a right side pump. And this is when Riley, oddly enough, just becomes alive. She finds her mission, and she is supposed to encourage the patients and parents and encourage them to get out of bed, which... We didn't know, but evidently nobody gets out of bed when they have those two. Um, And she decides, nope, I'm going to get out of bed. I'm going to encourage that teen to get up and that teen. And so there was these nurses, um, which is amazing because she said, if we only knew that Riley was supposed to be here for a mission trip, like we would have kind of received this news a little bit better. And I was like, yeah. (laughs) Um, But this is what God does, right? So God puts on our heart to pray for a nurse and a nurse who hasn't been able to have babies, and she wants to be a mama. And God was just indicating to us, like, I want to move in her life, and I want to use you, so I want you to pray for her. And so Riley puts her hands on on this nurse's womb and prays for her. And 10 months later, we see a little baby that we get to celebrate. Um, Not only that, but there's a little girl that we encounter, and she has terminal cancer. And um, she's three years old and uh, nothing, you know, the doctors were, had done all the tests. I mean, it was, that's what, that was it. And the Lord says, pray, pray for healing. Okay. And Riley prays, asks for God to heal her. And uh, with childlike faith, right? I love the prayers of children because all of a sudden this little girl had no cancer, no trace. The doctors did run the test actually like four times because they did not believe that it was true. I mean, how incredible is that? Is that not parting the sea? Like, is that not like healing the blind in the midst of it? That still happens, by the way. Um, Riley, at that time, she has, has received her heart transplant, and at this time she gets a stroke and a seizure that just can't move the left side of her body. Unresponsive, code blue call, I mean, it's just everybody's running. They're like, oh, my word, what is happening? And on the way to the CT scan, the Lord says, pray. I was like, okay, I've seen you. So, Lord Jesus, I just ask that she would move the right side, I mean, the left side of her body. And I know that you can do that. I know that you can heal her. And so I ask you in Jesus' name, sorry, I say, in Jesus' name, amen. When I say amen. Stinkin' Riley grabs her cannula with with her breathing tube and grabs it and moves it with the left side. And she goes, what is going on? (laughs) And we were just like the NP, the nurse practitioner, and I were both like, that's right, in Jesus' name. (laughs) We're like, she did it again. I mean, it was just crazy. And so there's just miracles that I could tell you over and over again. Um, My husband being gone, right? I mean, they're separated. And my girls long for him. But yet there's this joy and peace that they have Walking through that, that is just nobody else could have done. My marriage has been preserved um, for the long time that he has been gone. And it doesn't matter because God has been able to provide a way. And um, multiple other opportunities and other things, but I want to move on. So do you see how the same story that I shared initially can have a completely different perspective when we focus on what God is able to do through that and what God did do through that? right? But we can say the other side, right? We can focus on that or we can say, man, look at what God did over and over again, what he brought us through. There's many studies in science. I wanted to read this because I think it's important that past decade have found that people who consciously count their blessings tend to be happier and less depressed. In gratitude, it says, unshackles us from toxic emotions. Gratitude helps us even when we don't share it gratitude benefits. They take time, but it says it has lasting effects on the brain. So let's recap so far. I choose to believe who God is, and I choose to focus on the blessings of, who, of what God has done and the miracles that he has done in my life. Um, the other part is I choose to surrender my will and to live his out. So to be clear, it was not his will for me to experience all those things. It wasn't when people say, like, well, it was God's plan for you to walk through. No. That was other people's choices and my choices, and it had ripple effect, and it affected my life. But what I do know what God wills it God's will is for my life is that he says that that's for me to share the good news of who Jesus is. For me to tell other people that you can find hope. That this God sent his son to die for you so that my relationship could be restored with him and so that he could forgive me of all of my sins and for you to be forgiven of all of your sins, for you to be able to even forgive others because of what he did on the cross for you. And because of that, then we get to spend an eternity with him. He is my miracle worker, my way maker. I don't know if you guys have heard that song, but it is such a blessing to me. Because his will is going to take priority in my life. My will will not. I have seen where that takes me. I've seen when other people have followed their will and their desires and what they think they want and where that has led me. But when I focus on him, no matter what I, what I go through, says so the valley of shadow of death I can walk through because God is with me and he's for me and he's going to provide a way. And so I want to say that sometimes it takes, it takes grit just to, you know, it takes grit to choose that, right? Not to go with what we feel and what we want. Um, It takes grit to hold on to things when you don't understand it, when it doesn't make any sense. Because God is the God who can heal the blind. I can't, right? God is the one who can part the sea, Um, And let a whole nation walk through dry land like it talks about with the Israelites back in Bible time. (laughs) But I can't. And we're surrounded with a culture that tells us that we need to focus on what we can see, right? We believe, okay, I believe that oxygen I breathe in and I breathe out, carbon dioxide. It is not because I'm a scientist and not because I studied it. I read it in a book and I believed it. I don't see it. And that's the same thing, is that it takes grit for us to choose to say, I'm going to choose to believe what God says and who he says he is, and I'm going to live that out and trust him. And the last thing is I choose to trust his perspective, um, his Bible and his promises over my perspective. I choose to trust him. I choose to trust him even when it doesn't make sense, when I think there is no way that you can bring out your promise in this, and then he does. I choose to trust him um, when his perspective, um, you know how it's, it's the best way that I can explain it for me is I'm in the woods, and I can see everything around me here, and he has a perspective of an eagle, and he can see the whole picture, and so I choose to trust that his perspective is good for me, and that he can make anything happen that's good, um, make it good, and so I choose to remember his miracles, and I choose to trust his perspective and not mine. And the result of these choices, like I said, is my home is filled with joy and laughter. The fact that my girls have walked through what they've gone through, um, there are family counselors that we meet with, and they say, I, there's no way to explain why your kids are acting out based on everything that they've had to walk through, and that they're joyful and peaceful and have a relationship with God that's just unexplainable. My girls, they feel cherished um, and loved by my husband, even though he hasn't been able to be there. They're not girls looking for, you know, the attention of a daddy. They know that their father loves them, which is only something that God can do in the midst of what we've walked through. He's, uh, people are seeing that God miraculously heals still. I mean, just can you imagine uh, what the parents of a little girl who now they get to spend the rest of their life with? I mean, that's just something that they're getting to witness because of our story. And so what does this mean to you? All right. You might have never met Jesus. You might have come in here today and said, I don't, I don't know who this Jesus is. But based on what you're talking about, there's a reason that I feel like I'm here today. And I would say that is absolutely true. God is wanting you to meet him today and to say, okay, I, I'm not going to, the things that I've walked through, I don't know if I can walk through the things, um, I don't if you knew the mistakes that I'd made, or if you knew what people did to me, but I just want you to know that there is, Jesus came for you to be able to find that healing. Whether it's physical, spiritual, or mental, there is a God that loves you. And that he wants to meet you today and say, I have died for you so that you can have an eternal relationship with me and spend eternity with me. And so right here, right now, He says, the only thing you need to do is confess. You can take a moment and you confess with your mouth and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for dying for me so that I can spend an eternity with you. Thank you that I can be forgiven for what I've done. Thank you that you can provide healing for what other people did in my life. And you can make that choice right now. There are some of you that walked in today and you have been hurt by church. You've walked through some things, and you've seen what people have done, and you're like, "Man, I just, I don't know." And I would say, I understand. People make choices, and churches—they're people, right? Fallen and broken, and sometimes they can do make choices that affect us. But the important thing for you and me to do is to remember that that's not God. That's not who God is. That's not His character. Those are people's choices, and it's important for us to separate those. Because the God that I know, he says in 1 Chronicles 16, he says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows, not like people. In John 10, he says, The thief comes to only to steal, kill, and destroy I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lay down his life for his sheep. So nothing bad comes from God. That wasn't from him. That wasn't what he intended. But he is a God that can turn that around and bring healing and bring even goodness out of it, which is only something he can promise. And so right now in your heart, you can say, Lord, Lord, Forgive me for putting other people's actions and my actions on you, for putting that on your character. That's not who you say you are. I want that healing. I want to know who you are personally and live that out. And lastly, there are some of you who are simply um, wandering around. You're not... You're not going and meeting everybody and saying, I want to tell you about Jesus or like showing the love of Christ to everybody. And you're not on fire for that. But you're also, you know, you're not going around sleeping with everybody and making all the mistakes. You know, so you're not hot, but you're not cold. You know, you're just there. I just want to tell you, and I want you to listen to this, what God says about that. And the reason why it challenges me to not live that life of apathetic, towards God, and just, meh. This is what Revelation says. I know your works. You are neither hot nor cold. Would that you would be hot or cold, meaning like it would be better if you were one or the other. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I, have, I don't need anything. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Those whom I love, God says, he says, I reprove and I discipline. Meaning he causes that stir in your spirit to say, there's something not, I'm not living out what God wants for me or what God has for me. And he says, he reproves those and he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. So if you have that spirit check right now, like that, uh, the Lord is talking to you right now. And he says, man, if you hear me knocking, and you open the door, he says, I will come in and I will eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on the throne as I also have conquered and sat down with my father on the throne. He who has ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. So, your choice, you can continue to be apathetic, you can choose to just be neither hot nor cold, or you can choose to wake up. And you can choose to trust a God who says, man, I'm going to walk you through this. You can choose to wake up and say, I'm going to learn my Bible. I'm going to memorize it. And I'm going to meditate on his word because I want my thoughts to be his thoughts. You can choose to believe that when he says he has plans for you to prosper, that you believe it. Even in suffering, you can choose to smile and have joy. This is not a cheesy grin that says, I, everything's great, and then I go home. No, this is a peace that no matter what I have walked through, the Lord, my Savior, has rescued me. And because he did, I would be an idiot not to share of that goodness for you to be able to find healing, for you to be able to know that the God that I serve wants you to be used by him to touch somebody's life and change it from abuse to find healing, from sickness to find healing. And he wants to use you. But if we're apathetic and we don't care and we don't look for those opportunities, we won't have them. It takes grit. For you to wake up and say, I choose you, Lord. I'm gonna live it out and I'm gonna make sure that the people around me don't miss out on the blessing that I have for them. Lord, I just thank you for this time. I pray, God, that we would choose well. It is not a one day choice. It is one day choice to trust you and to know that you are our Savior and that you died for me, but it is a daily choice that I pick up my assignment. To trust you that day and say, Lord, use me. Use everything that I have walked through that it would be worth it so that somebody else can find healing and spend an eternity with you. Lord, let it not be that I stopped someone from hearing or finding that healing. I know that because people were faithful in my life, Lord, I'm able to see the miracles you did. If it were not for them, God, I would be in a hole, crawled up and not knowing how to survive. So thank you, God, for the faithfulness of others to stand up. And I pray that those who hear, Lord, today, that they would open the door to you and that they would say, yes, Lord, I want your will and not my will to be done. In Jesus' name, amen.